Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Living on Blockchain. Today we are speaking to Roy. Roy is uh, the founder of Pellor as well as Lightlink, which is the infrastructure with the new internet. Uh, that is what they are calling themselves. They have a it's basically an L2 and they have a specific USB uh, when it comes to uh, enterprises. They have a special enterprise mode. It's a layer 2 blockchain solution secured by Ethereum, purposely built for metaverse NFT and gaming applications. It was a very interesting conversation. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Let's deep dive right in. Hi Roy, thank you so much for making the time to speak to me today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh nice to meet you as well. Thank you for um asking me to participate on your podcast. It's it's my absolute pleasure. So, uh, for our listeners, can you tell us a little about uh you know how you got into web3 and what you're building currently? Yeah, sure. I developed a fascination into bitcoins uh back in 2012 so fairly early on in the journey um the technology has always been very fascinating uh from my perspective because i i loved computers um for as long as i remember i have a computer science degree and have been uh, dealing with technology for my entire uh professional career i've been a technology entrepreneur for the past 22 years and wow. uh yeah uh the bitcoin technology uh being one of the first applications of blockchain as a industry uh it, it's hard to ignore right um i always thought it was one of those um technology wave it, it's almost like a one of those in- industry paradigm shifts right uh just like um internet just like you know personal computing just like mobile um applications it's uh yeah. something that's so fundamentally different and uh long behold um 10 years later uh here we are in a world that has um i think largely substantially changed by this technology absolutely i think uh, you know this particular decentralized technology blockchain technology has the potential to change uh everything and a change you know have an impact on basically a lot of sectors uh, i feel as well and now we are like nearly 10 12 years in and uh, it's still in its infancy and it's wonderful to say how you know it's it's kind of evolving and uh, more and more people are taking a look and trying to become a part of of this revolution it is a new era in technology like you said yeah exactly right um I I I totally agree uh when I saw this technology I uh read the white paper um and one of the first thing I I think a lot of engineers would do would be try to experiment with the technology um right. so we um I I actually uh took a bit of time to try to build a blockchain myself um mm-hmm. I wrote some technical uh read some uh, technical white papers and uh looked at existing um technology out there and said you know how how can it be let's uh, try to build one ourselves right because yeah. the concept if you try to explain it uh it it's actually um it's not as complex as you know uh parts of asymmetric cryptography for example but when you look at blockchain as a technology it's um actually it can be explained and it can be built so over a, uh, a span of a few hours you can actually build a blockchain from scratch um right. you know, rudimentary elements of it so uh that that's essentially where uh we started um where we started uh, experimenting with the technology i saw the implications of this technology because um 
when you have a chain of blocks, a chain of data, the historical data is um, anchored uh, as a truth in all future data. So it's almost like a uh, a continuous line of um, mathematical proofs to say the past data has been evolved to the current data. And that yeah. attribute, that immutable immutability uh, attribute has been very fascinating from my perspective, at least. Um, so I always thought this technology could uh, be the truth of the world, right? So like our marriage records, our birth records, our land titles, our wealth, our, you know, uh, various information could be stored on the blockchain. And uh, to, to a certain degree, uh, the world is using it for this purpose. But um, I, I think over time, we've discovered many other applications of the technology too. Yeah, absolutely. I think there are so many uh, different use cases and uh, the way you know this technology can be perhaps implemented in day-to-day life is uh, yet to be fully explored and that is what makes it wonderful and like you said this is a space where you know there are different elements that are perhaps already available because a lot of it is open source and you know you can create and build your own chain uh, with these as well so that kind of brings me to Lightlink and uh, what you guys are doing there can you tell me a little about uh, Lightlink and how it came into existence. Uh, you know, how has the vision evolved since its inception? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, when we exited our uh, e-commerce company back in 2017, um, that was the first ICO wave. Um, we built a blockchain solutions company called Pella, um, and we uh, were building you know various enterprise uh, applications um, in digital payments in uh, asset tokenization supply chain you know all kinds of uh, technology around blockchain um, and we saw the um, applications of enterprise blockchain you know it's uh, fairly fast it's predictable uh, but we also saw the um, the issues with private uh, enterprise blockchains and those are um, that interconnected disconnectedness to the rest of the world, that opaqueness and uh, lack of trust. You really have to establish trust if you're a private blockchain. Um, and since 2021, we've been building a lot of uh, non-fungible technology uh, in uh, building uh, digital collectibles in the sporting world uh, with movie stars, with um, artists, um, larger media IP and things like that. And a lot of that technology was on uh, layer one uh, Ethereum, namely. And when you look at uh, Ethereum layer one technology, um, you have uh, lots of innovation, a fantastic economy, a fantastic community, but you had a lot of latency, cost, uh, throughput issues, right? Mm, and, absolutely, um, yeah. You you uh when you see both sides of that equation you have enterprise uh, uh blockchains private blockchains that has these characteristics and layer one blockchain has uh, other characteristics um and we had all of these clients uh that were um demanding a solution that wasn't good enough uh, on both sides so well when the concept of layer twos came around uh we we thought hey actually there is a solution in the middle where you can bring the best of uh enterprise blockchains the best of layer ones and you can merge them into a solution that's uh layer two technology and that's where lightning came around um we essentially built it on the need of our customers um our clients, our partners, and uh, it's a layer two EVM uh, blockchain. Um, 
it uses uh, Ether as a native token. Uh, you can write Solidity-based smart contracts, um, and you can deploy that onto a, our public network. Uh, now, uh, what makes Lightlink different uh, and unique is its enterprise mode. So we essentially okay. have two gas modes. Um, one is the public mode, just like Optimism, Arbitrum, other layer twos. And the other is um, trying to solve a problem, which we have been hearing over and over again with our enterprise customers. And they typically uh, start with a proof concept on Polygon or Binance or Ethereum. And it works great, you know, it uh, demonstrates all the characteristics of blockchain, but they typically ask me this question, right? Um, right. I have 100,000 users, uh, how much is the infrastructure going to cost me for the next six months? Or mm -hmm. um, I want to issue 1 million NFTs, uh, can you estimate how much that is going to cost, right? And those are, you know, fairly simple questions to answer if you're dealing with a Web2 world, a SaaS world. Um, but it's a very difficult question to answer in the public chain world. Um, Absolutely, so, yeah. Because you, you have all of these variables. Um, supply and demand uh, essentially sets the value of the native token. And also supply and demand from an on-chain resource perspective sets the uh, variable of um, gas price. And when you have uh, variables times variable times, you know, a... Um, a constant you have um huge variations in the end result and that's why sometimes when you send usdt it costs two dollars and sometimes it costs you know five dollars so right. uh, there's that huge degree of uncertainty which the enterprise customers don't really want to hear and this is where uh we try to come up with a solution where uh, lightlink has a different gas mode uh built for enterprise customers where they can uh have a bit more predictability and certainty they can pay us in fiat and know exactly what it what they're going to get from a transaction capability perspective uh latency throughput you know all of those parameters are um within the level of tolerance that they expect so um essentially two gas modes wow okay so that this is like uh this has to be your usb right because i've never heard of this before like that there are two uh, gas modes and uh, that, that is super interesting to know. Can you tell me a little bit more about how this sort of works on a technical end? Yeah, sure. Um, because we built the chain from ground up, we have hmm. um, a bit more customization capability. Um, okay. And it's a requirement that our customers wanted um, and because we built a enterprise blockchain in the past we we're able to reuse some of the previous thinking um, architecture into uh, this design um, from a user perspective um, when a smart contract on a public network is whitelisted um, on lightlink of course um, the interaction with the smart contract from a user perspective is gasless okay so uh let's use uh, USDT as an example, right? Like uh, on a public network uh, like Ethereum, when you send USDT, you need Ether as the gas token to send that USDT, right? So you might send one USDT, the recipient receives one, but you might uh, burn uh, $2 or $5 equivalent of Ether. Um, so the native tokens required for that transaction to occur. Now, in the case of a enterprise mode enabled smart contract, 
um, that transaction for the user to send USDT is gasless. So when you send USDT, the other party receives USDT and there's no need for gas. Um, and I think that has a huge implication because it reduces the barrier to entry, it removes uh, complexity, uh, and it introduces a really positive user experience um, when interacting with that smart contract. Um, from a technical perspective, um, yeah, we we spent a lot of uh, time and effort uh, in terms of making this happen. Um, mm. But uh, the uh, we we also borrowed a lot of uh, thinking from the best minds in the world, right? Um, Vitalik uh, came up with the modular uh, blockchain um, thesis for um, our blockchain ecosystem. And uh, the you know there, there are a lot of really smart people in the world, uh, and we're essentially building on top of uh, that ingenuity. Wow, this is very very interesting. I find this uh, very fascinating because obviously there there are multiple blockchains, and nowadays uh, quite a few of them. And uh, this has to be one of the defining factors in your journey. So you know you guys are using uh, optimism, right? Uh, that that is that is something that you know you are doing as well for your uh, faster transactions and throughput. Yeah, so um, I would say the our blockchain architecture implements a optimistic type of architecture. We don't yeah. use the optimism network uh, per okay. se, so we're not a part of the super chain. Um, okay. So we uh, we publish proofs on layer one. Uh, we post our data on a separate data availability layer. And uh, by doing that, um, we are substantially more efficient from a cost perspective comparing to a optimistic roll-up. So instead of rolling up to layer one, we roll up to a data availability layer. Um, and by doing that, um, we, we have a substantially less cost base because we don't incur the same gas fees on the layer one. And therefore, we can pass on that reduction in costs to our customers. Um, so we can essentially process blocks at a much higher frequency. Uh, so at the moment, it's 500 milliseconds at a higher capacity, uh, reaching essentially a throughput of more than 5,000 uh, transactions per second. And, wow. um, uh, and also at a substantially lower cost base because we're only publishing proofs on layer one with and that's a substantially lower uh, transaction cost comparing to posting essentially all of your data onto layer one. Wow, this is wonderful. The more I hear about it, the more I like it. And I would like to perhaps uh, deploy a few apps as well on uh, oh, Lightning. It sounds wonderful. Uh, so more power to you guys. What is um, What would you consider your niche? Like I know that this is a tricky question to ask uh, for especially yeah. for somebody who's founded a blockchain. Uh, but, uh, you know, where would you... Uh, think uh, that you know your chain's supremacy kind of aligns with which niche like would it be metaverse nfts or gaming yeah 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 great question um it's a hard question to answer because it's hmm. infrastructure um, right. now when we talk to our customers uh we want them to see value uh utilizing the chain now if we are providing the exact same um solution uh technology to our customers, um, then you know there's probably no reason to do the same thing. So we constantly uh, think about how can we create more value. 
Um, we are, uh, if you look at our current chain, uh, we're processing about 50 to 100,000 transactions every day, still fairly small comparing to the capacity of the chain. And when you look at the uh, transactions that's posted on the chain, it's predominantly gaming at the moment. And uh, it validates this um, idea I have, and I'm hoping to tell uh, more game developers to considering this mindset. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, when you are building a Web3 game, um, you probably receive a grant from you know a large uh, layer one. Um, you would you know try to do a PFP collection or introduce a uh, something of value. And you post right. those transactions on layer one, right? So um, you you might have USDT as a reward. Uh, you might have a token as a ERC twenty, and you'll give users a reward uh, in this exercise. So it uh, it largely talks about um, having value, highly valued assets on layer ones, and it, that makes complete sense because. Layer ones have uh, the largest economy, have the most vibrant ecosystem, have the most developers, have the most participation. So of course, you know your CryptoPunk or Bored Ape or your Mockverse uh, PFPs should be on uh, Ethereum. Um, your USDT should be on Ethereum. But uh, when you look at the other side of uh, that gaming um, developer and the data that they produce, you know there are other things that's uh, that require higher transactional uh, throughput um, and lower latency, and it might not have the same value. And those things are like uh, experience points, uh, what level I am, the achievements, the badges, the in-game assets. You know, uh, a typical game or ecosystem produce a lot more data than mm. your highly valued assets. So right. the current mindset is for these developers to store the all of this information on layer one, and they found out it's going to cost them in a hundred thousand dollars per day. So uh, they would go, "Hey, actually, let's just put in the database." But uh, then, if you're putting, you know, uh, achievement information, badges information, game assets into a database, uh, it's not really a Web three game, right? It's not a Web three project because it's only when you surface this information on chain, it becomes transparent. Uh, it right. becomes interoperable uh, when another game read what's in your wallet you can curate a wonderful customized experience for you and uh so it makes sense for you to put that information on chain um so uh when then you look at uh where do we put it and of course layer two is, is the obvious answer because it has more capacity um then you think about you know is it optimism is it arbitrum is it immutable and each one of those has its own pros and cons. And what we're right. trying to introduce in this equation is um, predictability. And, and that's it. You know, if you want to support 100,000 users, um, you know exactly how much the XRC is going to cost. And for uh, Web3 users to interact with the system, we want to remove the barrier to entry. So um, that's where uh, we are seeing the most success uh, in uh, application as of today you know we have uh, a game called the red village a super cool battle royale game uh we have uh tally up we have grapes uh, you know um a, a excellent project within the animoca portfolio companies 
um, and they're writing substantial amounts of transactions onto Lightning uh, today, right? Um, and these transactions show uh, I play this game at this time. Um, I completed this game at this score, um, and I had this outcome. You know, it the, and yeah. it's an NFT. Um, so, and that information becomes public, and then next time when you play a different game within the same ecosystem or a different ecosystem that data becomes permissionless and it's really interesting to see uh you know the portability of this idea and how this idea can be utilized in many different industries wow that sounds uh yeah that that sounds recommendable and it's uh, very interesting and i was uh, just checking out, you know, uh, your social presence and your website. Can you tell us, like, see, I, I think in Web3, a lot comes down to community and uh, what you're building is uh, a little akin to a zero to one product. So there are two parts to this question. How big is the community involvement in, in a Lightlink? And uh, then how... And the second part is how do you go about perhaps solving the chicken and egg problem? Because, you know, you need applications to get more transactions or to have more users using it. And uh, but for those applications, you need developers. So how are you incentivizing both users and devs to uh, join you on your journey? And how big is a community in, in, in your vision? Yeah, sure. There are many different uh, layers to that question. So firstly, uh, our community is still relatively small. Um, we have about 66,000 um, Twitter followers. Uh, our Discord is about 40,000 users. Um, we have about 38,000 uh, users on Telegram. Uh, we're doing an airdrop campaign, and I think there's uh, probably about 75,000 participants in the uh, Galaxy airdrop campaign. Um, and yeah. that has been a quite uh, interesting exercise and um, rewarding exercise for us. You know, uh, our partner at Galaxy really promoted uh, the chain, and we uh, had a lot of um, active participants. Uh, utilizing the chain uh, as a result. So um, that's more of the public uh, users of the ecosystem. And of course, we'll be doing more airdrop campaigns, uh, forming more partnerships and um, incentivizing users to come and interact with the different protocols on top of the chain uh, with a airdrop campaign. And that's, you know, Lightning tokens. Uh, now, from a developer community perspective, uh, one of the first um, applications that we integrated with is a no-code, low-code uh, ecosystem. And I think as a result, um, there has been a lot of people experimenting with the chain. So if you look at the testnet, and I think uh, as of today, I was looking at it today, uh, there has been over 190,000 smart contracts uh, deployed on our, our testnet. And that's... Wow. Um, Quite fascinating to to see um, developers uh, or individuals are experimenting with deploying to the chain and to see what that experience is like. Um, and we're also trying to um, create more structured programs in uh, organizing hackathons uh, in various parts around the world, uh, in Asia, in uh, Europe, uh, around the globe to uh, experiment with gasless uh, enterprise mode uh, layer two uh, capabilities. So we have three on the horizon, three hackathons on the horizon at the moment. 
And of course, um, our foundation is putting forward a prize for uh, developers. Um, so that's the two uh, elements of community. But I think uh, the current Web3 ecosystem is still fairly small. You know, it's uh, when you talk about yeah. crypto natives, you're talking about tens of thousands of developers or hundreds of thousands of participants. So it's still relatively small compared to the rest of the world. And that's where uh, the ecosystem we have built for the past six years really coming. You know, uh, we're partly owned uh, from our solutions company by one of the largest conglomerates in Asia. Uh, they're one of the largest investors in uh, Lightlink. And uh, we are trying to utilize our enterprise contacts, um, our friends, um, clients over the years to um, bring millions of users into the ecosystem. And uh, I hope I can see a merge of the two worlds, right? So right. one is uh, we're talking to protocols and providing them with a grant to participate in our ecosystem, like Rarible, uh, uh, for example, was uh, recently integrated into our uh, ecosystem and they're a fairly reputable NFT uh, ecosystem capability. So, um, and we have uh, DeFi, uh, other types of you know infrastructure, public goods, uh, deploying as Web3 uh, capabilities on Lightlink. Now, what I'm hoping to see is as user base increase on the enterprise side, can we start unlocking uh, more features uh, using Web3 uh, native dApps in, in the same uh, user experience on the enterprise side? So for example, if you're using a digital wallet to pay for a uh, public transportation uh, use, uh, maybe we can open up better micro lending or better saving capabilities using our existing DeFi systems because it's interoperable by nature from a Web3 perspective. So that's what I'm hoping to see and how we're trying to uh, solve the chicken egg problem. Wow, wonderful. That's good to know because I think there are, again, uh, there is in the last few years, quite a few blockchains have come up and not everybody is able to crack this, and that is there. In that is where lies the secret sauce as well as the magic. Because I think once you're able to crack this, then there is no stopping a good product. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, that you do you're doing like airdrop campaigns with your native token. So, are there two tokens involved in your chain? Like uh, the enterprise is paying with Ethereum, and uh, you also have a native token. Yeah, so the public from a public ASPI perspective, it's in ETH. Uh, okay. When you uh you can bridge ETH over, you can use ETH to pay for gas, um, so on and so forth. So very uh similar to other layer twos. We hmm. made that deliberate choice because we wanted to uh reduce the barrier to entry. So if right. we ask developers to buy KYC, go to exchange and buy Lightning tokens, it sort of becomes a um a very difficult exercise to do. So we try to make that as simple as possible. So from an enterprise side perspective, uh, they would pay in fiat. Um, and then uh there's a whole uh gas token mechanic which converts fiat into lightning tokens. Um, now lightning tokens has other utility too, uh, in terms of participating in governance um and potentially in the future as a um as an incentive for uh, network validation, uh, for checking proofs, um, 
And uh, yeah, so we're uh, designing various uh, utility for uh, the token. Um, it's I think it's important uh, to have that capability as um, key economic um, lever in um, in the ecosystem so we can incentivize behavior. Awesome. So can you tell me a little about uh, the next big milestone for uh, you know for, for your platform? Uh, yeah, sure. So we are we're onboarding quite a few different projects, uh, okay. and those we we like to talk about it when they become a little bit more tangible. So, uh, firstly, watch this space. <laughs> um, we are uh, working very closely with a large uh, partner to uh, introduce our technology across its portfolio companies. Uh, we're working with our uh, one of the largest investors to introduce uh, the network to uh, its real-world business units, whether if it's in retail or uh, telecommunications. Uh, we are working with a fairly large uh, NFT project to uh, introduce uh, experience points within its ecosystem. Um, and yeah, so there's a lot of things going on and uh, it, it's never a dull day. <laughs> Wonderful. It's good to hear about all the progress that you guys are making and all of these big partnerships coming through would uh, obviously help your uh, chain quite a bit. In terms of uh, building on Lightning, can anybody uh, just start building? Do you have like a developer community where they can get requisite support? Uh, yeah, uh, so... Uh, if you go to lightlink.io, the um, button on the homepage uh, says build with us. Um, yeah. and there's a lot of documentation there. Uh, if you join our Discord, there's a developer channel, which uh, I hang out from time to time and um, uh, pop in my headings and say hello. But our developers certainly uh, contribute to the conversation and help uh, different people along the way. And, you know, anybody's welcome. Um, the network is largely open, so uh, there's a faucet. Um, it's it's as simple as changing your RPC endpoint. Uh, right. We have code examples, um, how, how to integrate with the chain. Um, feel free to reach out if uh, there are projects that uh, if you're building a project uh, that we should know about, or if we should if we can help from any capacity. Wonderful. I think I'd, I'd link up. Uh, these details in the episode description as well so that you know people who are looking to get in touch with you can get in touch with you with these as a um, leader in this space and you've been around for a while uh, what personal lessons have you learned from your journey with lightning uh, how do you navigate the you know dynamic and ever-evolving landscape of blockchain yeah great question um i see the technology as the technology and the technology is beautiful yeah. <laughs> so here uh, that immutability, uh, the mathematics, the cryptography, uh, the way that network has built in redundancies, you know, they're all beautiful. Um, right. On the other side, because it's a technology where value is uh, so entrenched into the um, the ecosystem, you know, there's uh, Ether, there's USDT, there's Lightning tokens. So values attributed to a lot of these transactions. Um, right. You you will have bad actors on the other side um, that probably 
be uh, rugging you or uh, creating scams or trying to hack your uh, crypto wallet. And those are um, those are the other side of having having an open, permissionless, pseudo anonymous uh, network uh, where value is so central to uh, the ecosystem. So uh, yeah, I, I see both sides, and I think. Um, the technology is always a technology that uh, cats out of the bag, the genie's out of the bottle. Uh, we we can't ever go back to pre-internet, pre you know LLMs, ChatGPT type of you know scenarios, right? So this yeah. concept is out there. So when we are designing uh, a new uh, type of financial product or uh, ways to uh, recognize or modernize a registry or optimize the supply chain this technology, a blockchain technology is going to come up in this conversation. So I think um, if we see the technology as a technology, um, it it's probably a little bit better than uh, talking about the speculative attributes um, because of the value nature of this technology. Absolutely. I completely agree. I think as someone who's been around for a while as well, like I think I started off my journey in Web3 sometime around, probably sometime around you did, like 2011, 2012, uh, with the early mining days, you know, I had a data center company and we had hardware. So we wanted to basically put it to better use and we started mining Zcash and some bits, uh, some other tokens. But, uh, you know, it's this has been such a journey and people keep asking me the same thing. How is it uh, that, you know, you're still around after seeing so many cycles and so many speculation and i have the same answer that you know i i don't really i the speculative part of it doesn't interest me so much it's more about the technology i came i i fell in love with the technology and that is why i entered the space and that is why i'm here all of these years later because i truly feel that like you said it's like Ginny in the bottle you know Ginny is out of the bottle rather and uh then it's there's no going back and um there are good and bad actors yes but uh, the technology itself is so groundbreaking uh, that it, it is going to have a massive impact. I'd, I'd rather be on the side of, you know, just seeing how it kind of pans out and has an impact on the world. Yeah, I, I totally feel you. And I, I completely agree. So now, you know, moving on to uh, some perhaps funnier bits uh, and adding some slash of fun into the episode i would love to ask you this is a completely hypothetical question if you could uh, say create a blockchain fantasy league okay uh and like a team for your uh link you know light link success and uh, these characters can be from anywhere from video games or movies who would be your top three picks and how do you think they would contribute uh, to the success of the platform top three picks wow um <laughs> Elon Musk, number one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I'm reading the uh, later uh, book by Walter Isaacson on uh, Elon Musk, right? Uh, fascinating yeah, yeah. character. Always being uh, super fascinated about uh, from with, with his journey. And it's not easy, right? And yeah. uh, I, I read uh, a biography on him uh, years ago as well uh, because it highlights... Uh, even though we see the um, glimpses of uh, a billionaire, but mm. uh, there's so much grit and uh, failure and uh, on border borderline uh, 
mental breakdowns, right? Like yeah, the, right. the journey Absolutely. hasn't been easy. So, yeah. so, but at the same time, uh, to have that kind of vision to go, hey, we have to be interplanetary, um, yeah. because that's the only way for humanity to survive. Um, there, there isn't a lot of people who are thinking from this perspective, and uh, hopefully, uh, us as a collective can realize some of the dreams that uh, these visionaries hold. Um, and I, I wish there was more people like that. Um, that's uh, less about speculation, less about stock price, uh, more about how can we build a better humanity. Um, in terms of others, yeah, I think smart uh, mathematicians, but at the same time, it'd be cool to have people uh, that you enjoy with, uh, work with along the way. Mm. So yeah. uh, I'm a big fan of Rick and Morty. So, right. uh, <laughs> so having a math scientist, uh, uh, Rick, uh, would be very fascinating, but uh, we'd probably end up killing each other and he probably, Elon Musk, will kill each other. So we kind of need an uh, intermediary in the middle to stop that battle, right? Yeah. So uh, somebody with superpowers that can, uh, it, yeah, to, um, to prevent them from killing each other. So that's all I got. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think if I had to put up a team, I think, you know, you took one. I, I do think Rick would be a great addition to my team as well. Uh, but then again, you know, uh, can be very abrasive. So because I'm also a very headstrong person, we might just, as you said, we might end up like hurting each other. But yes, definitely Rick. And perhaps uh, somebody like, you know, I'm a little old school that way. So I would love to have Iron Man because, uh, you know, seems very... Um, I, I think from the very beginning, I kind of admire the way uh, technology was always sort of built in uh, into his character. And for the third, I'm actually, I'll have to think a little about this. We'd want somebody who's a little, uh, because, you know, talking strictly in, in fictional terms, and I'm thinking like Elon Musk obviously would be a wonderful addition. But uh, if you had to think in terms of fiction, it would have to be somebody who brings like the right balance uh, of math and science and cryptography, like some, you know, some character that kind of has a mix of all of these uh, and with with perhaps a little background in humanities, that would be like a perfect fit, but I'm, I'm hard pressed to think of a character right away. But yeah, Iron Man, Rick, and uh, somebody with, <laughs> with, with a mix of all of these four things, I think that that would be like a great theme. Yeah, interesting interesting it, it doesn't make sense for iron man to go into battle himself right like the, the because yeah. the suit can be completely autonomous so exactly I mean, uh, yeah it, it's a bit more dramatized but i i do see uh uh him as a fantastic character and i i love the character a lot as well um yeah uh, it's uh it's really interesting yeah when you start thinking like that it is it's fairly uh nice to think and make a hypothetical team. Now, I, I do understand on some level now when I, you know, since I've started adding and asking this question, why people are so fascinated by fantasy league sports, <laughs> because now I get it, but earlier I used to not. But uh, yeah, it can be interesting to sort of just think about it. Okay, so now coming to perhaps my penultimate question, uh, a little about, you know, your team and your culture, um, you know, at Lightlink, and if somebody wants to perhaps join Lightlink, uh, how can they go about doing that? And, uh, you know, if you could give me a brief overview about how many people are there uh, on your team, and uh, uh, what are the various departments? Are you guys working remotely? That'll be wonderful. 
Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm based in Melbourne, Australia, but our team is fairly global. Um, mm. Our head of foundations in Dubai, uh, one of our chief engineers is in uh, Dublin. Uh, we have other engineers around the world uh, in Brazil, uh, in Vietnam, um, in uh, other parts of Australia as well. So uh, yeah, we, we're fairly diverse um, and global. Uh, Personally, I've worked, uh, you know, operated um, predominantly online for for decades, uh, communicated uh, online, built companies together uh, online. Uh, our organization, our team for Lightlink is about 20 at the moment. Uh, okay. My co-founder balances me really well. Um, she's uh, very strong in operations, finance, uh, processes where I'm predominantly, um, you know, technology and, uh, you know, think about uh, all elements from a technical perspective, right? Um, so um, we're fairly open. Uh, there isn't much hierarchy. Uh, it's a very flat organization and we communicate and work together in Slack, uh, just like a lot of, you know, uh, Web3 um, companies. Yeah, uh, most to... Web3 companies now are remote. I think, uh, you know, mine yeah. too. So I, I think COVID kind of uh, had a lot of horrors with it. But one good thing that came out of it perhaps was this move towards remote work. You know, it gives you so much access, right? I mean, hire talent from anywhere. And that is wonderful. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Um and uh, working with us, I think, uh, is fairly easy, you know, uh, because if you send me a uh, email to go, hey, can I uh, work with you? I'm I'm good at this and that, you know, it's uh, it's very unlikely that I will respond to that email, right? But yeah. if you are a participant in the um, community, uh, if you go to Discord and help people. Um, and add value to what we do and uh, show that you are helpful, uh, you're resourceful, then uh, it's very likely uh, you will become an important part of the community. And uh, similarly, uh, if you're a developer uh, building on top of the ecosystem, right? Like uh, it's um, participating in a hackathon, help us to have a better ecosystem, um, then I, I think that will uh, help us heaps and uh, it will make a lot of sense to for us to figure out how to incentivize you and, uh, uh, and uh, reward you for the contribution that you have made to the ecosystem. And we have uh, funds uh, set aside to uh, reward that type of uh, participation. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's fairly straightforward. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, uh, can I have a job type of thing, but, you know, uh, and uh, I guess this is something that I also value, um, you know, put money where your mouth is, right? Like do the right. thing that you Get your hands dirty. Do. Exactly. exactly. Get your hands dirty. Exactly. And, then you'll and it's not difficult. Sort of... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Brilliant. Uh, so, you know, now that, you know, our listeners also know how to perhaps get involved with Lightlink and uh, I, for one, am very excited to really tinker with uh, your chain after this recording. Uh, so now coming to my last question, and this is something I ask everyone that comes up for uh, the show. 
if you because you know you've been on the other side of the spectrum when you initially started uh, in web 2 with uh, a gaming platform and what not uh, if you had to give advice to somebody who's peering in from the other side uh, what would be your advice to them uh, you know perhaps your top three suggestions for them to start living on blockchain yeah um so years ago i was thinking about um and and this is exercise that i used to do quite often and i i should probably do it now is uh turn off distractions right like um, yeah. because you you can uh, occupy your entire day on uh twitter on discord on telegram turn them all yeah. off um and think think um however you like to think maybe it's music maybe it's nature maybe it's you know darkness maybe it's uh you know morning or night or whatever how think uh think about where the world is going uh think about how the technology uh trends are converging think about uh what would matter to people in the future you know maybe not right. present uh think about what would be important in the future and then go and build it <laughs> you you know you permission from anybody it, it, right now it's so uh accessible and so cheap you know there is so much open source uh tooling out there there's so much infrastructure out there you know lightlink is one of them but there are so much more others like uh facebook um open source it's llama too right like uh it's llm world uh in in terms of thinking about where the future is and that instead of waiting for it to happen go and make it happen and roll up your sleeves if you don't know how to learn if you don't know how to do programming and you it's something that you want to learn you know there's so much free information out there youtube can teach yeah. you anything if Absolutely. you want to be business development in one of the leading companies in the world you know go go and do it and uh like what i was saying earlier about participating in discord and contributing to the ecosystem um roll up your sleeves and uh act right so i think uh instead of talking uh, action uh speaks louder than everything else and uh maybe uh, advice in for uh those who want to participate think about the future and act on the future and proactively make the future happen so um go and do that Yeah, I think that's very good advice. Just go ahead. Don't let your fears strangle you, uh, and or your dreams for that matter. And if there is something that you truly believe in solving, go ahead and do it in your small way. And I am a big proponent, and I truly believe actually that you know if you start doing and taking steps in the right direction, help will come. Uh, you know, in case you need help, if you ask, people would be more than ready to. uh lend you a helping hand and uh, right now in this day and age there's really no excuse uh to not go after the things that you truly believe in yeah exactly right so aroy this has been an absolute pleasure uh and uh, you know we are completely out of time we are running over thank you so much for making the time to speak to me before we wrap this up any last thoughts no thanks for the opportunity it's uh really good to speak with you um I I think uh firstly I can't do this alone so uh we always do everything as a team and right. uh it's the dedication blood sweat tears of our team members that make this happen so um huge thanks to everybody who's helping us to make this happen and uh we hope to be a important part of the new uh new internet the new infrastructure um and 
the current technology doesn't have this uh, scaling capability and we're here to try to introduce this technology uh, for millions and millions of users that should join uh, in the next cycle in, uh, to see the true benefits and value this technology can provide. So yeah, we're, we're here and um, uh, what, watch what we do. Absolutely, I'm into that. I think you know you guys are going to become a very big part of this this particular new tech era that is uh, that we're already in, and uh, that's just going to get bigger from here. Thank you once again, Roy, for speaking to me. This has been a really wonderful conversation. Likewise, thank you very much.